What's up, Summit? Welcome to this week's podcast. Today we're in part three of our series, Revival, and we're talking about holy patterns. What are holy patterns? Why do they matter for your life? Why are they an important part of revival? We're going to unpack all of it today. So check this out. Hey, listen, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, go ahead and hit hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. That just makes sure you never miss an episode. Stick around after the episode at the end. We'll talk a little bit, some application. Hey, two things before we jump in. Number one is this coming Sunday, August the 29th, this first step, first step. Lasts about 15 minutes. It takes place between our 9.30 and 11 o'clock service. It's for everybody that's new to Summit. Maybe you just gave your life to Christ or maybe you're just trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out or you got questions about Summit. Doesn't matter what it is. Listen, you're invited to first step. You can sign up in the app or online, but you don't have to. Just show up Sunday morning in our elementary room, the oldest kids elementary room. You'll see signs when you come this Sunday morning. And then we're starting a brand new semester of small groups. Small groups start September the 12th. You can sign up for small groups in our app online. We've got childcare and all kinds of great stuff. So make sure to sign up, jump in for these opportunities. Let's get right into today's episode. Thanks for listening. You know, all of us uh, probably have people in our lives that just based on the nature of the relationship, we've never even you know, had a conversation where we've said this, but all of us probably have people in our lives that just based on the nature of the relationship, there are certain people that at any point can interrupt our schedule, right? You know, could be your spouse, could be kids, could be a relationship that you have, somebody's close enough to you, but, you know, and and I'm not talking just something frivolous, you know, but I'm talking, I'm talking, you know, there, there are, there are certain relationships that we all have that you can just tell you know, they call you by the tone in their voice or maybe even the tone of the text message. I don't know how they say it. But there are people that you have given the right to interrupt your schedule, right? Uh, I was thinking this week, this week I was in the middle of, of, of doing something. I had things that needed to get done. And Cassidy, right in the middle of it, my oldest daughter, uh, texted me. She needed something, and it was really important. She really needed help right there. And so I set my schedule aside. I stopped what I was doing because she really did need help. And and so, so I let her, just on the nature of our relationship, she knew that she could come to me that way. And, and, and I just set what I was doing aside to help her. We, we all have people like that in our lives. We all have relationships like that where somebody can interrupt your schedule. Let me ask you a question this morning. And it's a question that I don't want you to answer really quick. I want you to think through it this morning. But I want you to think through this today. I want to ask you this question today. Can God interrupt your schedule? Can God interrupt your schedule? Now, I'm not asking like a theological question where you look back at me and you say, well, Mark, he's God. God can do whatever he wants. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. I mean, would you stop your plans for the day for God's plans? Would you set your schedule aside because the Holy Spirit's prompting you to go another way. Would would you let God, would I let God, would we let God interrupt our schedules? See, we're in this series called Revival. And and listen, what we're doing in this series is we're learning that you can't can't uh, pretend to have a revival, you can't manufacture revival, but you can prepare for revival. And listen, preparation for revival happens in the heart. Hello? 
Preparation for revival, yeah, there might be some elements of a worship service, but listen, getting ready for revival has way less to do with what we do in a building in an hour on a Sunday and far more to do with what we're doing in our hearts. Preparation for revival happens in our hearts. We saw it a couple of weeks ago. We talked about holy discontent. That's the first phase of revival. Where we're not judgmental, we don't, we don't think that we're better than other people and we've arrived and they haven't, but we look at the world and we look at the church and we look at ourselves and we're not satisfied with where we are. We become holy discontent. We want what God wants. And holy discontent leads to contending prayer. We saw it last week. Contending prayer is, is where we just begin to pray for, for the people that God's put us around, the places that God's put us in. And we just begin to pray that those people and places would look more like heaven than they do right now. And we just begin to wrestle in prayer for those people and those places. And then contending prayer always leads to the third phase of revival. And that third phase of revival is where we are this morning, and it's called holy patterns. Now, what are holy patterns? So, so when we use the phrase holy patterns, what in the world do we mean this morning? Again, let's read this quote from Mark Sayers. He says this. He says that holy patterns are reorienting our life around patterns that enable us to live and operate in God's presence. Patterns of formation begin to take shape practices and habits that help us live vital Christian lives, focusing on the power of God's presence become essential. These patterns become an alternative to the world's great models of formation. These patterns center the rhythms of our lives around God's presence. These are spiritual disciplines that have shaped the church throughout the millennia, prayer, the reading of scripture, and the contours of communal Christian faith. And so these holy patterns, this is exactly where Josiah and the revival that we've been in, this is where it's going to go today. So today we're in 2 Chronicles chapter 35. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up, turn it on, whatever you need to do. 2 Chronicles 35. And we're going to read verses 1 all the way down to 19. 2 Chronicles 35, 1 to 19. So, so the words are going to be on the screen, but man, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up, turn it on, whatever you need to do. All right, 2 Chronicles 35. Here we go. Let's read all 19 of these verses. Josiah celebrated the Passover to the Lord in Jerusalem. And the Passover lamb was slaughtered on the 14th day of the first month. He appointed the priests to their duties and encouraged them in the service of the Lord's temple. He said to the Levites who instructed all Israel and who had been consecrated to the Lord, put the sacred ark in the temple that Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, built. It's not to be carried about on your shoulders. Now serve the Lord your God and his people Israel. Prepare yourselves by families in your divisions according to the instructions written by David, king of Israel, and by his son Solomon. Stand in the holy place with a group of Levites for each subdivision of the families of your fellow Israelites, the lay people. Slaughter the Passover lambs, consecrate yourselves, and prepare the lambs for your fellow Israelites, doing what the Lord commanded through Moses. Josiah provided for all the lay people who were there a total of 30,000 lambs and goats for the Passover offerings, and also 3,000 <clears throat> cattle, all from the king's own possessions. His officials also contributed voluntarily to the people, and the priests and Levites, Hilkiah, Zechariah, and Jehiel, the officials in charge of God's temple, gave the priests 2,600 Passover offerings and 300 cattle. 
Also, Conaniah, along with Shemaiah and Nathanael, his brothers, and Hashabiah and Jael and Josabad, the leaders of the Levites, provided 5,000 Passover offerings and 500 head of cattle for the Levites. The service was arranged, and the priests stood in their places with the Levites and their divisions as the king had ordered. The Passover lambs were slaughtered, and the priests splashed against the altar the blood handed to them while the Levites skinned the animals. They set aside the burnt offerings to give them to the subdivisions, to their families, of the families, rather, of the, of the people to the Lord, to offer to the Lord. As it is written in the book of Moses, they did the same with the cattle. <clears throat> they roasted the Passover animals over the fire as prescribed and boiled the holy offerings in pots, cauldrons, and pans and served them quickly to all the people. After this, they made preparation for themselves and for the priests because the priests, the descendants of Aaron, were sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fat portions until nightfall. So the Levites made preparations for themselves and for all the Aaronic priests. The musicians, the descendants of Asaph, were in the places prescribed by David, Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun, the king's seer. The gatekeepers at each gate did not need to leave their posts because their fellow Israelites made the preparations for them. So at that time, the entire service of the Lord was carried out for the celebration of the Passover and the offering of burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord as King Josiah had ordered. The Israelites who were present celebrated the Passover at that time and celebrated the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. Watch verse 18. The Passover had not been observed like this in Israel since the days of the prophet Samuel. And none of the kings of Israel had ever celebrated such a Passover as did Josiah with the priests, the Levites, and all Judah and Israel who were, who were there with the people of Jerusalem. The Passover was celebrated in the 18th year of Josiah's reign. Let's read one, verse 18 one more time. The Passover had not been observed like this in Israel since the days of the prophet Samuel. None of the kings of Israel had ever celebrated such a Passover as did Josiah with the priests, the Levites, and all Judah the, and Israel who were there with the people of Jerusalem. So Passover, what is this? This is Josiah leading the people to begin celebrating the Passover again. So the Passover was supposed to be a yearly celebration for the people of Israel where every year for a set period of days they would celebrate how God had brought them out of slavery from Egypt. So if you if you've maybe you've seen the movie The Ten Commandments or you know the story of how God set Israel free from Egypt. There's my movie reference right there. And so people tell me, I, I was in a conversation with Josh this morning, and we're all about the movie references. So if you've ever seen Charlton Heston lead Israel out of Egypt, then you know there's a part in that movie where the ten, uh, the ten plagues, you know the story of the ten plagues, frogs, and all kinds of stuff. The last plague is the death of every firstborn in Egypt. And God tells the Israelites that, listen, if, if you take a Passover, if you take a lamb and offer it as a sacrifice, put the blood of the lamb over the altars of the doors, so the door frame of the doors, the death angel will pass over your house. And so this plague happens, and Pharaoh finally softens his heart, lets the Israelites free. They're free from Egypt, out of slavery. And to commemorate how God set them free from slavery, they were supposed to celebrate Passover Every single year. But they stopped. 
they stopped celebrating Passover. So you remember in this, in this revival, right? I mean, the temple was in ruins. Last week we talked about how they lost the book of the law. They stopped celebrating Passover a long time ago. Josiah is bringing back a pattern, a practice, a habit of celebrating Passover every year. And this is the first time. It's the biggest Passover that's ever been celebrated in Israel's history right here. And this, this celebration, this Passover, it was supposed to be central to Israel's life. It was supposed to be something that shaped Israel's life because Israel was supposed to be shaped by their identity as God's people and who they were as the people of God by what God had done for them and the people of God and how he had set them free from Egypt. But they had stopped celebrating Passover. Instead, they were starting to be shaped by the culture around them, and Josiah is bringing this celebration back. And listen, it's the same thing for us. You and I, as people of Jesus, as the church, Jesus should be central to our life. Jesus should be central to our life so that what shapes us is Jesus and our identity as Jesus' people. So, so here's a question. How does Jesus shape us? How can Jesus, how can Jesus shape us? And not only Jesus... But how does anything shape us? How does Jesus shape us? How, how does anything around us shape us? Because here's the thing. We will become like whatever is shaping us. We will become like whatever is shaping us. And so how does Jesus shape us? How are we shaped by the world around us? Well, it's really easy. The way that we're shaped by Jesus or anything else are habits, practices, and patterns. Habits, practices, and patterns. I was reading a study that was just done recently. I was reading it this past week. Last year in 2020, Americans, the average American in 2020, spent 58 minutes a day on Facebook. 58 minutes a day. So another way to think about that, you take all of that time and bring it together, that averaged for the average American in 2020, spent 325 hours last year on Facebook. That will shape you into a certain kind of person. Amen? Uh, uh, also, another, another part of that research was that the thing that we did more than anything else, number one, was sleep. The thing people do more than anything else is always sleep. Sleep's always number one. But number two, last year, a close second last year, was the average American, just after spending most of their time sleeping, watched television. The average American in 2020 watched TV for three hours a day. And here's the thing about watching TV. Now when we watch TV, we don't have to be like in a room at our house, right? You can watch TV at your on your phone. You can watch TV in a restaurant. You can watch TV when you're pumping gas. Have you seen those t t uh, TV, TVs and gas pumps? That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Who wants to watch TV at that moment, right? But you can watch TV anywhere. And the average person, three hours a day watching TV. And a lot of that is spent watching the news, Think of how much time people spend taking in the news. So when you think about watching the news, and some of us, maybe you do this every single day. You watch somebody on cable news. You watch network news or certain videos on YouTube. Think of all the ways that we watch the news now. We watch, you, you can watch it on TV at home. You can watch it on your phone. You can not just watch the news. You can read the news. You can listen to the news right? Download somebody's podcast about what's happening in the world and all of these things. There's all kinds of different ways that we can watch the news, watch TV and do these things. But listen, just giving ourselves to that 
day in and day out, it does something to us. It makes us into a certain kind of person. In fact, think about this. Take some time with you and just Jesus this week. Take some time this week and think about this question. What habits, practices, and patterns do you do over and over, and what are they doing to you? What habits, practices, and patterns do you do over and over, and what are they doing to you? See, listen to me this morning. A lot of us, we're praying that Jesus would take away the anxiety that we struggle with. We're praying every day, God, would you help me to not be anxious as much as I am? And then as soon as we stop praying that, we have habits that actually build anxiety in our lives. And those habits hijack that prayer. Does that make sense? Some of us, we're praying for God to give us peace, and as soon as we're done praying about peace, we have habits that build anxiety, that build bitterness in our lives. We're always reacting because of habits, things that we do day in and day out. And those habits hijack that prayer. Listen to me. If you and I are not careful, we can have habits that hijack our discipleship. And so when we bring that into revival, the way that that relates to revival is if we have a real hunger for revival, then it will lead to habits of revival. A real hunger for revival is going to lead to habits of revival. Why? Because hunger always leads to action. Hunger always leads to action. How many of you guys, just answer this by raising your hands. How many of you guys this week did something because you were hungry? Put your hand up, right? Some of y'all need to be careful because some of y'all get hangry. You know what I'm saying? You know what hangry is, right? When you get angry because you're hungry, right? And then all of a sudden it's messy and it hurts everybody around you. But listen, hunger will lead you to do something, won't it? You get hungry, you get up and go to the kitchen. You get hungry and maybe you go to a restaurant. You get hungry and maybe you just start to obsess about how hungry you are. Maybe you post online about how hungry you are. Hunger always leads to action. And when we talk about holy patterns, what we're talking about, we are talking about patterns, habits, practices that are born out of a hunger for more of God. So a hunger for revival will lead to habits of revival. Things that we begin to do to produce a hunger for and an awareness of the presence of God. We're talking about habits like daily prayer. We're talking about habits like getting into Scripture every single day so that we can hear and listen to the voice of God. We're talking about practices like you're doing right now, gathering with the church every week. We're talking about fasting. We're talking about giving and generosity. We're talking about keeping the Sabbath, silence, and solitude, and on and on and on. Listen, all of these, you know, we call them spiritual disciplines. If you've been around Summit for any length of time, the language that we use, we call these rhythms. We don't do these things to earn God's love because you can't earn God's love. Amen. God's love is grace. Jesus is the one who died for us. Jesus is, has done all the work. We receive what Jesus has done in our place. But these holy habits and patterns, what they do is they increase our awareness of God's love. They increase my awareness of God's presence in my life. They increase my hunger and love for revival. And here's the thing about holy patterns. Holy patterns are always an interruption. 
Think about it. Y'all could have slept in today. Amen? You could have slept in today. You could still be in your pajamas. You can wear your pajamas to church. We don't care. But, but you, you could be doing something else right now. You might be at home watching TV right now. You could be somewhere eating breakfast right now. Just coming here, watch this, just coming is an interruption. This is why the book of Psalms says bring a sacrifice of praise. What is it? It's a sacrifice. Holy habits and patterns are always a sacrifice. They are always an interruption. I'm going to give God five minutes. Well, you could be doing something else with that five minutes. Maybe that five minutes is, maybe you got to carve out some space for those five minutes. Holy patterns are always an interruption. So let's go back to the question we started with. Here's our question. Can God interrupt your schedule? Can God, will you let him? I know he can, but will you let him? Will you let God interrupt your plans, get in your way, slow you down? Can God interrupt your schedule? Man, now here's the thing, and and listen to me. I'm not saying anything about this church. This is just true generally about the church. But can I just tell you all something? Can I just be real in the 930? Can I just tell you all, listen, I've been doing this a long time. Standing up here on a stage with a microphone telling everybody about how they need to read the Bible usually doesn't get a lot of people reading the Bible. Standing up here talking about how people need to pray usually doesn't get a lot of people to pray. Now, I can make some people feel guilty enough to pray till Wednesday. That's what I can do. I found out that I can make some of y'all feel bad enough to start praying till Wednesday, but then it wears off. Okay, it wears off about Wednesday, you know. But just telling people, hey, we need to start doing holy habits, guys. Doesn't make people generally start doing holy habits. So can I say something to us? And here's the deal, man. I love you. I love you. I love you. But what I'm about to say can be pretty hard. So you're going to have to pray through what I'm about to say. You're going to have to pray and discern, God, how does this apply to me? But so many times people come up to me and they'll say, Mark, listen, I can't do all this holy habit stuff that you're talking about. I don't have time. Man, my life is crap. I don't have time to do anything that you're talking about. Listen to me. I love you, but let me say something a little hard this morning. And again, Holy Spirit, help us to discern what it says to us. But if God can't interrupt our schedules, the root problem is not a discipline problem. The root problem is a love problem. Listen to me. That's sweet, but everybody didn't clap. See, if if I can't let God interrupt my, I mean, come on now, I told you, I told you. Some of y'all like, I've been praying about switching churches. And if, if, if I can't let God interrupt my schedule, the root problem, and maybe I do have some discipline problems, maybe I can grow in time management, but the root problem is not a discipline problem. The root problem is a love problem. Why? Because I always make space for what I love. I I don't have to have any discipline if I love it. I don't have to have a lick of discipline. I don't have to have any time management if I love it. Man, I make space for my, I make space for Elena, Cassidy, Seth, Chloe, my family. Why? I love them. Oh man, if I just had discipline, I could fit you guys in, but I can't. I got no discipline. I've never, I don't have to say that because I love them, right? Or let's bring it in some different direction. We never miss a game of the teams that we love. Amen? 
Because we just, we, we just love them. We just love to watch the game. We never miss a show. We never miss an episode, rather, of our favorite show. And now with the way that you can watch TV, you don't even have to watch it when it first airs, right? You can DVR it, that bad boy's in the cloud. You can watch it on your phone. You can watch it in the car. You can watch it whatever. But here's what I know. I know that if you love a show, some of us will call in sick. Yeah, I'm sick, man. I can't come in. And binge the whole season in one day on Netflix, right? If we love it, we don't have to carve out time and have discipline for it because we always make space for what we love. So listen, no, God can't have any space. No, I can't fit God into my schedule. The problem is not discipline. The problem is a love problem. And what revival is, revival, we're going to talk more about it this week, but let's just say this this morning. Revival is when I fall back in love with Jesus. That's what revival is. Revival is not a packed church and an exciting hour. Revival is when I fall back in love with Jesus, man. I fall back in love with his word. I fall back in love with prayer. I fall back in love with you and the church and one another. And we just begin to love the things of God. Maybe not even like we used to. Maybe like we've never loved it before. So maybe the reason that we can't fit God in is somewhere along the way we just got bored with him. I can't seem to fit the Bible in. Why? Because maybe it just became boring to me. And I just got used to the grace of God. And I just got used to the mercy of God. And this is why revival is the need of the hour for the church. Not even thinking about the world. For the church. Because the need for the church is to fall back in love with Jesus. Man, I think about Psalm 27.4. I love this verse. Look at this verse. I think it's, there it is. It's on the screen. This is a revival verse. Would you look at this? One thing I ask from the Lord, just one thing I want from God, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I love this, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. God, I just want one thing from you, and the one thing that I want is you. I just want to be with you. I just want to, I love it. I just want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Summit, can I just say something to us this morning? Jesus is beautiful. Jesus is the bread of life. And if I could taste of him again, I will never be hungry. And in that moment, I'll see how temporary and fading everything the world would want to give me is compared to him. Jesus is the fountain of living water, and one drink from him would remind me that there is nothing that's going to satisfy my heart the way that my creator can. Jesus is the one who in Philippians chapter 2, the apostle Paul says that even though he was created in the image and likeness of God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. So Jesus humbled himself and he became nothing and he took the form of a servant and he became obedient to death and he died on a cross. But because he became nothing, God exalted Jesus to the highest place so that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord and so can that Jesus interrupt your schedule I'm not talking about the Jesus that saves us from hell takes us to heaven and until then he's supposed to do whatever we want him to do I'm not talking about the American Jesus I'm talking about the Jesus that at this moment is exalted to the highest place 
that we are all on a collision course to a moment where every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. When they see his beauty, all of us are going to agree, man, there is no one like him. Can that Jesus interrupt your schedule? Can I tell you, I need that Jesus to interrupt my schedule every day. I need that Jesus to interrupt my schedule every day and remind me he's the exalted one, not me. Because everything around me tells me it's all about me. I need Jesus to say to me, no, it's actually all about me. Right? I need Jesus to interrupt my schedule every day and remind me who I am. That I am not how much money I have, don't have, the accomplishments that I've made or not made. I am not what other people think about me. I am who God says I am. I need Jesus to interrupt my schedule every day to remind me that I am a citizen of a kingdom who is coming and no one is stopping it. I need Jesus to interrupt my schedule every single day. And look at me, look at me, look at me. One hour of church is not enough. It's not enough, man. One hour of church. I don't have a good enough sermon in the tank. I, I don't. I'm not trying to be funny. I don't have a good enough sermon in the tank to get you through the next six days of everything the world is going to throw at you to shape you. I don't have it, man. I don't. I don't. I don't. We can't put off a good, pull off a good enough production in an hour, one hour, to shape you for the next six days. So what do I need? I need Jesus Christ to interrupt my schedule. And can I tell you the only way that's going to happen is if I fall so much more in love with him that I would rather have him than my schedule. Right? One hour of church is not going to cut it. And so maybe this week, by the power of the Spirit, what a lot of us need, we need to begin to build holy habits, patterns, and practices in our lives. Not to earn God's love, you can't earn it. Not to get God's attention, you already have it. Why would we want these holy habits in our lives? Because we need to be interrupted by the exalted Jesus every day. Right? And so maybe for some of you, your holy habit is you need to begin to listen to the voice of God. Our next series is how to hear the voice of God. How to listen to the Holy Spirit, not who wants to speak to you, but how to listen to the Holy Spirit who is speaking to you right now. Right? Who is speaking to you right now. But maybe the holy habit that you need to begin to build in your life is, you know what, I'm going to start giving God five minutes a day. I'm going to read the YouVersion app on my phone or, or the Bible every day. I need to get into God's Word to hear what God wants to say to me. I need to start this contending prayer stuff that you talked about last week. I need to start praying for my school, my kids, and that sort of thing. So maybe I'm just going to you know, start praying for five minutes a day. I need to start giving and practicing generosity. Maybe some of us, you need to begin to serve just so that you can build that holy habit of putting others before yourself. Maybe you need to make the commitment of being committed to gathering with God's people. I don't know what that holy habit is, but here's what I know. What I know is that Jesus Christ is worthy to interrupt your schedule. So holy patterns are these habits and practices that we have in our lives. We do them every single day. And you know, like we said this morning in the podcast, depending on when you're listening, I guess, um, they don't look spectacular. The holy patterns, just these things we talk about all the time. We use the language of rhythms in our church and rhythm is just a repeated pattern. So 
reading your Bible daily doesn't look spectacular, but even when you do it and you don't get anything out of it, you're still sowing seed in your life and that seed can grow. Same thing with prayer, going to church, serving, giving, all those things, holy patterns. What's a holy pattern you can build into your life this week? And don't give yourself this astronomical goal that there's no way you're going to pull it off and you're just going to feel defeated. Start small. Start where you are. Like if you're if you don't have any holy patterns in your life, what would it look like to try to give God about five minutes a day for a couple days this week? And then once you do that, build just continue to build onto it. Start where you are. Maybe you maybe you're further along. Um, just start where you are and build onto it. And when you fall, when you you know mess up, you miss a day and all that stuff. Keep going. Dust yourself off. Pick it back up the next stage. Pick it back right up. Build these holy patterns in your life. A hunger for revival leads to habits of revival. Okay? So, listen. One hour on Sunday, 30-minute podcast, one day a week is not going to cut it. Uh, and there are forces in the world that are trying to shape us into a certain kind of person. We have a spiritual enemy that is man at our throats, at our necks, trying to take us out spiritually in, in every single way. And so Holy Patterns is taking ownership of your relationship with Jesus. What would it look like for you to do that this week? Hey, I'd love for you to let us know. Let us know what you thought of this. Let us know how God is speaking to you. You can find us online. Links are in the show notes. Make sure to check those out. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you guys.